Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. Nothing like starting out spring training with some wins and a great local boy making good story. This week on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, Patrick Lyons and I are joined by left-hander Lucas Gilbreth, the pride of Legacy High School in Broomfield, who's nearing the end of his road back from elbow surgery and is looking forward to getting back on the mound at Coors Field this spring. How are this year's young Rockies looking from the inside? And what may be one of the causes of all these arm injuries to pitchers around baseball? We go deep with the Colorado native Lucas Gilbreth right after this. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there. Tell them what they're missing. Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks, as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities so people can uh, appreciate them and with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic and built in location, they are American treasures. How can one think of America without mentioning the families and the Wrigley's, for example? Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky home games, we will expand those hours as uh, needed. You got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place. The National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coors Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. Park Adjusted Rockies podcast has been a little hiatus here, but we're back and we're very glad to be joined by Lucas Gilbert, left-handed pitcher from the Colorado Rockies, currently rehabbing. And Patrick Lyons just got back from Arizona, so he's going to share what he saw down there. You guys are in the warm weather. Oh, it's been beautiful here, too. I can't complain. Oh, it is. It's it's wonderful. Baseball's back, even if it is cold outside. It's the time of year where hope springs eternal. You know, everyone's zero zero. Anything can happen. New players are gonna pop up and uh, and and bring about some seriously good conversation. In regards to the Rockies, right now there is uh, there is a lot of hope and, and hype right now for the future of the organization. We'll get into that in a minute, but let's check with Lucas first. Lucas, um, I know you told me before we got started that you're looking at possibly mid April to mid May to get back into the act. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's a long process the 12 months, the 12 to 15 months, that timetable they gave you, it doesn't go very quickly. So unfortunately at the very end of it, which does even make you chomp at the bit a little bit more, but I'm hungry and I'm doing exactly what they tell me to and just hoping to get back out there as soon as possible. The last 50 miles of Patrick's drive were the longest, right, Patrick? Right right when you get to the end, that's the longest time. I I get that. Explain to people, because initially it wasn't a Tommy John situation for you a year ago at this time. Tell, walk people through what happened exactly and how you ended up being out for this long. 
Yeah, so we tried the uh, PRP injection at the end of 2022, um, kind of just trying to prevent that surgery, hopefully get it to heal up, scar down, all that stuff. So honestly, I thought it did pretty good. I went through my normal off season, built back up, got into spring training. And once the intensity came back, started throwing to hitters, kind of throwing in games again, I, I popped it again. So okay. I think for me, in reality, it probably never really healed, but it did feel better. And then I think just getting that intensity back and getting the competitiveness going, I think, that's kind of when it gave out on me. Again. So it's about a year ago at this time that that realization clicked in and you had, now you have to start all over again. And now that's why it's been a year since you can, could, could throw to hitters. Now you face hitters. Have you faced any hitters yet down, down there? No, not yet. Not yet. I'm, I'm throwing bullpens. I'm throwing different pitches now. So um, pretty soon here, I'll be throwing to hitters. Patrick, did you get to see him throw? Is he being honest? It, no, it's true. Yeah, they they don't have any. They do have the lab, which is behind closed doors. But okay, that's what I was wondering. There's about. not the same kind of secrets going on maybe as some other. Okay. Other places that Marquez was back on the hill. Uh, you know, he was he was throwing a little bullpen, really? which was nice to see. And so, you know, he's a little bit further down the line as far as uh, the yeah. live BPs. But um, the, the everyone's trending upwards right now as far as the pitchers are concerned in, in Rockies camp. And yeah, definitely looking forward for the day where I'm sure Thomas Harding will be down there and mm-hmm. Lucas Gilbert throwing a live BP against Brenton Doyle or someone. Thomas and we'll have uh, a video in a whole bit. That's yeah. right. Lucas, do you think you'll you think you'll get into a, a game late in spring training at least, or do you have to maybe uh, do a couple you know rehab outings first? That seems that's what I'm not sure about yet. That's kind of where we're in the middle ground. It kind of depends on the situation. I know they like to keep you in a controlled situation, so potentially maybe like a backfield game or something. I think they just like to be able to say, okay, he's throwing his 20 pitches, he's done, and. You know, maybe if I do have a long inning or something, you don't want to burn the bullpen in a big league spring training game. Well, you know, by that point, though, you'll have the, uh, the rosters will have been trimmed down and all that. And there'll be plenty of arms available because minor leaguers don't break right away, right? They're in there another week or so before the AAA, before they break. And since you guys are going to start the season there, you'll probably won't even break camp. You'll probably just, hey, we're staying in Scottsdale, but we're driving over to Phoenix to play games. So you probably don't break, really officially break camp until you leave Phoenix after the Diamondback series. Yeah, I hadn't even really thought about that. That's a great point because I, I may be even throwing a live BP yeah. at Chase Stadium or something. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So you probably, it's kind of a cool thing. I kind of wish the Rockies could do this every year, Patrick. Uh, start the season at Phoenix, you know, avoid the frigid temperatures up here in early April and, <laughs> and start down there and maybe head to San Diego or something like that. But no, it, well, it's I, just, gotta, I, gotta, I have to ask Lucas too, like give you a quiz. I don't know how, how well you know the schedule, but it's funny you mentioned the weather being nice in Arizona. Do you know what the the next road trip is, or after your, when you leave Arizona, do you know where you're going? I want to say it's Chicago. Yeah, Wrigley I'm Field. sure that's not going to be warm. <laughs> oh yeah, that's going to be frigid. Yeah, that ain't going to be fun. But you know what? Um, hopefully, you know you probably want to be on that trip. You'll get to stay in the warmth for a while down in Arizona. You uh, have you been able to uh, at least jockey for for perhaps going and making some rehab outings in Hartford? Cause you've never played in Hartford. Have you? I did ask about Hartford. I did ask about Hartford. They said, do you really want to go pitch in the cold? And I said, well, not really. They said, yeah, probably not happening. That's a good point. Yeah. Unless they're they're playing Richmond, unless they're playing like Richmond, like down in Virginia, you're right. You probably just want to just never be a yard goat. Unfortunately. Yeah. Albuquerque, Albuquerque will be just like Denver. So it'll be reasonable at that point if, if that's where you go to start with. But, uh, you, you know, Patrick mentioned everybody's trending upward. Everybody's a lot. There's a lot of everybody in that in that conversation from Gabriel Hughes, Marcus, everybody, yourself, a lot of guys. Um, tell me about some of the other guys. Are you going through group rehabs or are you guys doing individual stuff or do you watch each other go through things? 
Yeah, it's funny you say everybody's trending up because it's not even really an exaggeration. I feel the yeah. same way. It's, it's cool watching guys that are further down the line or um, maybe even got surgery after me. I spent a lot of time with Marquez and Sembatella. Um, they they're all, we're obviously at three different stages. Kinley was kind of with us at one point. So it's, it's been interesting. Kinley was obviously the first one to get healthy. He's done well. Um, I'll be the next one, but I spent a lot of time with those guys. We were all kind of going through the same stages at different times. So there'll be times Senzatella asks me questions or Marquez asks me, or I would ask Kinley questions of, Hey, when you were doing this, what did it feel like when you started throwing off the mound? Did it feel like this? Did you get normal soreness? All that kind of stuff. So it's been like, good to kind of have that community. Patrick's like, they need their own coach for that group of guys. That's where they just, okay, you guys are going over here with this guy and it's the rehab coach. Um, but you gotta be, like you said, before you've got to do what they tell you to do step-by-step. Step. These are professionals. They know what they're, what you're supposed to be doing and they're going to walk you through the process. And when you're healthy, you'll be healthy. But um, it is frustrating for Rockies fans to have so many of your pitchers getting hurt uh, all through the organization. But then again, as Clint Hurdle told me um, over the winter, it's not just the Rockies, everybody's all the organizations. I mean, look at the Dodgers. Dodgers have a, a, just as, as long of an injury list. What do you think's going on here? Why is everybody coming up with Tommy John surgery this at this stage? I think the, the easy answer is just guys are throwing harder, but uh, part of me also wants to throw the pitch clock into that a little bit. I do think Ooh, that, there you go. I'm not necessarily going to say causation, but maybe correlation just because I think there's so many breaks that were built into the game of baseball to where you're, you're going fast, you're going all power as a pitcher, and then you got time to wind down. And I think when you start to take away a, the time between pitches and then B, the time between innings, it turns into more of a marathon and less of a sprint. So your body doesn't have that time to recover. Maybe it doesn't initially affect the elbow, but when the body gets tired, a lot of the stress goes up. Absolutely. Absolutely. As much as, much as we Patrick, know, Patrick, oh, yeah. I might be the only media guy who hates the pitch clock for the reasons he just talked about. I hate the pitch clock. I think it's awful, but all the media guys like it because they want the games over quick so they can write about it and go home. Uh, I don't <laughs> hear that opinion. But it's interesting to hear that's the first you're the first guy I've heard Lucas to say that that could be cause. And I think that's absolutely legitimate. Patrick. Yeah, no, it's 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 fair. I, I definitely think it's on the table. It's it's amazing how much we know about the human body because there's so much that we still don't know. Right. We There's so much we don't know. And it'll be interesting to see if maybe you know, anything comes out of the fact that. You know, there are so many minor league guys, Lucas yourself as well, in 2020, lost that entire season. Even yep. even big league guys who went out and, you know, they were able to make, uh, I, I forget who led the league in, in starts that year, but it might have been like 11 or 12, yeah. right? Not a ton of yeah. innings. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe it takes some time to go back and look and say, actually, you know what, that 2020 pandemic, you know, really, you know, uh, threw a wrench into the works of, of a lot of guys in their, their pitching careers. No, absolutely. And I mean, like you said, I mean, most – the best you were going to get as a starter was 11 or 12 starts. And then wow. to jump into the next year and try and get 30. I mean, I think a lot of teams did manage that, but at the same time, I don't think it's as much of a year to year thing as it is, you know, three to five year plan in the sense of that, like you're, like you're saying, it does affect 2021. It does affect 2022. It even affects 2023 in my opinion. So I think that's another great potential cause of that as well. Yeah. It's um, it's amazing. Now, I'm a high school pit coach. You played high school ball here, Lucas. You understand what I'm talking about. Um, we have a situation where, and you do now. You do youth baseball. Now you're you're in the club business um, as well. I think, I mean, the number one age group for Tommy John surgery is 15 years old, 
And I think not not enough club people understand what you have just explained about the, the rapid fire pitching and the over overuse arm injuries and all that. Um, it's nice to have you in that in this venue, by the way, and you know, in this area. But those those pitches are pitches you can't throw later in your career because your arm just has so many bullets in it. And so you use them up when you're 10, 11, 12 years old, and you're having surgery when you're 14 or 15. You're not going to be the same when you get to the pros. You're just not. No, I, I mean, I was fortunate. As much as I hate to have Tommy John surgery, I made it 26 years or 27 years or whatever it was. Right. So at the end of the day, to me, if you make it that far and it happens, it, it, it's almost part of the job, right? When you're trying to throw 70 times in a season. But when you're 15, the workload management, the prioritization, I mean, it is just crazy to see what a lot of these kids do now because – the risk reward, if you really think about it, there, there's really no value in throwing that extra showcase in December. I always get on our guys. Absolutely. They'll go do these I showcases, know. try and max out in mid-December. They haven't been throwing their arms on in shape. They'll go to this, you know, this tournament down here in January. To me, it's just ridiculous. Either there's not enough education or they just don't want to hear it in terms of, okay, we got to manage workload. We got to train the arm. We got to train the body. There's a lot that goes into staying healthy for a long period of time. These coaches are getting paid a lot of money and they want it to be a year round business. It's their livelihood. I understand all that. At high, at high school level, it's not our livelihood. It's not our main source of revenue. So we, we treat it differently, but you understand. I mean, we all understand when you're, when that's your job, you want guys to play and you want guys to get ready in November and December so, so they can pitch because you're making money off it. And it's a sad, sad situation, but it is what it is. You're right. It's how, how it's managed. that's most important. Um, when both of you guys got to watch uh, some spring training games already, Rocky's off to a really good start spring training. Um, Patrick, we'll start with you. What have you been impressed with what you saw from the Rockies in those first few spring training games? I mean, the obvious thing that jumps out is just the young hitters, how they've been able to just kind of come through, uh, whether, whether it's against, you know, big league players or guys that they're more likely to see later in the games in double A and triple A, 18 hits on Sunday, 10 runs. But go back to the first game on on Friday. Again, these are all exhibition games, but even right. still very yep. promising to look to, to, to see Rockies pitchers just filling up the strike zone. Yep. 16 strikeouts uh, on Friday against uh, a team, at least maybe in name only, that that did go to the NL Championship uh, or did win the NL Championship, go to the World Series. Uh, Sixteen strikeouts would have tied for the most uh, in a single game, you know, last season. So you know, guys were were going out there throwing strikes and and, and missing bats on on top of that. Uh, and the same wasn't true for D-backs pitchers. You know, the, the Rockies hitters are are putting the ball in play, and uh, they're they're definitely benefiting from from the youth movement and, and and having these guys go out to try to earn a spot. Because even if it's not necessarily earning a spot uh, for the opening day roster mm-hmm. in 2024, they're already starting to kind of plant the seed and, and lay some tracks down for you know making their debut at some point in the summer or or in the second half. So uh, mm-hmm. it's good to go back to where we started. You know, definitely things are trending upward. Lucas, uh, what have you seen? I'll, I'll tell you this. I only went to, I think, one or two spring trainings my entire career, my entire 12 years, where I had a spot locked up on the roster. And so young guys are trying, like Patrick just said, are trying to impress. And I think, was that the case of, with, with this these first few games? Are they, you got a lot of guys going out there trying to earn those fourth and fifth spots in the rotation? Yeah, I, I think to, to kind of piggyback on what Patrick said, the depth is one of the huge things I've seen because there is kind of a next man up mentality, which is awesome because – I think that competition breeds high-level performance because whether that's me pushing Justin Lawrence or somebody like Carson Palmquist pushing Freeland, it's like, is Carson going to start in the big leagues this year? Probably not. But is he going to be able to create that competition to go work his butt off, to go pitch his butt off 
and kind of push other guys. I think that's a huge, huge piece of being a successful team because at the end of the day, the eight guys that start in the bullpen this year, I can guarantee you won't be the eight guys that finish. Right. Same with the starting rotation, realistically. So right. on the pitching side, it's been awesome to see that. And then on the hitting side, to go back to that, even the depth on that side, watching guys like Hunter Goodman hit really well, swing it really well, totally is swinging it really well. I think seeing some of these guys, you know, injuries, they suck. They're part of the game. I think seeing some of these guys and them having the ability to step up is going to be a big, big difference maker for us this year. Patrick, I'm writing this week about the Rockies' defense because it could be exemplary. I mean, Lucas knows this being a long-term Rockies fan. The best fielding percentage in National League history, team fielding percentage in National League history, belongs to the 2007 Colorado Rockies, who went to the World Series. You, It's a part of the game that gets overlooked the most. It's all about the pitching and the hitting. But defense is exceptionally important. And this Rockies team, with Tovar and, and Brendan Rodgers and Amdar on the way and the backup catcher has a gold glove. The center fielder just got a gold glove. I mean, this this defense could be really, really, really good. Gold glover at second base, a finalist at shortstop and third base. Third Nolan base. Jones, most outfield assists out there in, in left field. And a guy like in Chris Bryant, who, I mean, came up as a as a third baseman, even in his mid to late 20s. He's who was the last shortstop. Who was the last good, Rockies third baseman made that transition to first? Do you remember? Oh, Mark Reynolds. Want to be Mark Reynolds? Mark yeah, Reynolds, right? It, and he was outstanding at first base defensively when he was a Rocky. So I, I, there's, there's reason to have hope for Chris Bryant over, over, over that position. Oh yeah. You know, he's, he's a great athlete athlete. There, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. No, I think the defense is huge. I mean, you saw it, you know, last year when, you, you know, the, the, the pitching was obviously besieged by injuries right. and yet, you know, Brenton Doyle, you, you look and you say, well, all right, we, we want to see maybe a little bit more out of, out of the bat, but he was providing so much value out <laughs> in center field where he could just track anything down. He's like a, he's like a golden retriever out there. It, it's absolutely amazing. He's going to hit, I think a lot, a lot, a lot better than, than last year. I think people forget that, you know, in 2022, he was in double a the entire year gets hurt in triple a at the start of 2023. And after a couple of weeks with the isotopes, he's already called up to the main so uh, the bat's going to come around. And yeah, you're right. The, the defense is a, is a really huge piece of Brad, Bradley Zimmer makes the roster. You know, he's a, he's a guy that can play all three outfield positions. So um, the, the defense is, is going to, I think, help out a, out a lot. And gosh, so many things, you know, uh, did not go the, the Rockies way last year. So much bad luck that yeah, I think the defense is going to turn some things more into the, uh, the positive perspective. This the defense is the one thing that travels, right? It's the same def- You play the same defense home and road. No, Worry about the Coors hangover or any any effect on pitching. It's just going to be the same everywhere. Um, Lucas, it's got to give you a lot of confidence and all your pitchers a lot of confidence that those guys playing behind you. Yeah, I've, I've, that's the one thing I haven't been able to pitch with those guys behind me and just watch them. It, it makes me excited. It gives me a lot of energy just watching Doyle track down balls, watching Nolan throw the ball from the outfield. And then obviously our infield is – I'd put them up there with a lot of infields yeah. in baseball, just yeah. knowing the ability out there and – Obviously, even just the simple execution on routine plays. I think going back to that 07 team, and you think about that team, they made all the easy plays, and then all of a sudden they'd sneak those hard ones when they needed to. And I think that's a huge piece. Giving away free base runners at Coors is is a death wish. Yep, absolutely. And and those guys, uh, I think I think it's safe to say, I, I didn't do the calculations, Patrick, but Tovar, what do you have, nine errors last year, something like that? I bet he had three times that many web gems, at least. Uh, and that's, I think it was the highest. I think it was the highest fielding percentage for a rookie shortstop ever. That Something is an, absurd that like that. Tulo, who should have yeah. won the eleven oh seven. You're right. Uh, it was it's extraordinary. The one question mark might be right field. Hunter Goodman's a, a great a great hitter, more mostly a first baseman to this point. You got a lot of those guys who played a lot of first base. Tolia, 
Montero he's played mostly first base. That's a crowded even, position. Even Bouchard. Yeah. Bouchard's another one. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know which of those guys Patrick's the best defender in right field. We know it's not Charlie Blackman. Those days are over. But as far as the other guys that could play right field, who's the best defender out of that group? Uh, probably – it's hard to say. I, I would I would just say Michael Tolia just for the yeah. fact that simple fact that you know how strong his arm is. Um, but I think because the defense is going to be strong, to your point, I think it does allow you to maybe just have the best bat, just how you ha- have the hottest bat. You know, Buddy even said last week that you know if Montero is hitting really well, he's going to be playing first base, and you might see Bryant in right. Hmm. Um, Coors Field, obviously, you know the largest outfield in, in the right. National League. Um, you know, I think Jones has some potential where you know if if you need him in center, he can do that. So. Uh, you know that could allow you to to shift over a little bit, and if the right fielder needs a little you know, a little bit of support, you can you can do that and say, hey, you know what, he's giving us a lot more on the bat, so it's it's okay if the defense you know might might not be there because you know at, at at any point in in the season, Montero, Goodman, Tolia, or to Lucas's point, Sean Sean Bouchard, I mean, all four of those guys you could see going off for for a month and really contributing in a big way offensively. Tolia is the one guy that has always baffled me because uh, he is. Clearly the best first baseman of that group. I've watched all of them take ground balls and, and do drills together, and Tolia is a great defensive first baseman. But the strikeouts are too high. He's got to cut down that, and he's got to, he's got to show you know, more productivity at the plate. But, God, there's so much upside with, some, with he and Goodman and Bouchard that um, maybe, and you can throw Brendan Rodgers into this conversation, maybe they've got some opportunities to maybe make some trades for pitching with guys who aren't necessarily on the backside of their careers. Is that fair? Yeah, certainly you, you got to explore all those things. I think Schmidt did a really good job last year and 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 taking assets that were going to be expiring, right? Players that are going to be free agents. And, and instead of sitting here and saying, okay, th- those guys are gone, you you still have something, you know, to show for for them being on the team. Um, and I, I think something like that could could happen again as you're well, looking to in add this more, situation, more pieces for the future. In this situation, though, we're not talking about guys who are expiring contracts and out, out you know, on the downside of the career. We're talking about guys like Brendan Rodgers in his prime. And that brings back a little bit more return than somebody who's on the backside of their career. But uh, it's a good problem to have, regardless. It's a good problem to have. And, and and we all know this is a rebuilding situation, but that doesn't mean it can't be entertaining and fun to be part of. And I know, Lucas, um, it's got to be exciting. Win or lose, it's got to be exciting to go to the ballpark every day. Yeah, and, I, and honestly, with the new playoff format, I think it lends a lot of opportunities to to get hot and to – Make a run. I think, you know, at the end of the day, watching, looking at the Dodgers, looking at the lineup they've assembled, I think the big, it's not necessarily a mistake, but the one flaw is just the structure of the, in the format of the playoffs. At the end of the day, they can win as many games as they want to, but when it comes down to it, you got to win that crucial game in the wild card or the win after that bye week that teams seem to struggle with. And I think, you know, the way it's structured now, if we're a team that can, steal some games here and there and play really well at home. Now all of a sudden you're sneaking into that last wild card spot. And, you know, it's 2007. It's when do you get hot? Who gets hot at the right time? I think it, it's definitely going to be a fun year and you get a lot of energy and a lot of guys that kind of want to beat the narrative in a sense. That makes that obviously that makes a lot of sense. Uh, beating the narrative narrative is the right term for it. Um, who are some guys, Patrick, I'll ask you this first, cause you were down there. Who are some guys that we're not talking about? Everybody's talking about Amador justifiably. So, who are some other guys nobody's talking about that might uh, catch some attention here before spring training's out? Gosh, I mean, I, I, that's all pretty relative. I think, you know, a, a name that I think people know, but maybe uh, have forgotten about or, or, or maybe 
uh, could have underestimated is, is Ryan Feltner. You know, he was able mm. to come back last year yeah. uh, after that line drive in, in May off the bat of Nick Castellanos and, you know, made it, made a triumphant return. I think he, I think he had like five shutout innings in his, uh, in his, his return. Mm-hmm. And um, so getting him back is, is important. I think he's going to get a good opportunity to win one of those final two spots in the rotation. And, you know, he's, he's got something there and he's, he's shown that um, he does have an ability to, to, to go out and, 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 keep the team competitive in games. And so he's kind of a guy that, you know, obviously no longer a prospect, but we haven't really seen that full season at him last year. That was going to be his year to, to do that. So um, he's, he, he kind of fits that, that criteria on, on the, the offensive side, you know, you know, Jordan Beck has, has been a guy that's mm. moved quick since uh, he was drafted in 2022 and, you know, doubled uh, RBI double in his, in his first at bat in spring training. So again, small sample size, but he's one of those guys with the, the SEC background coming yeah. from the University of Tennessee. Uh, I, I could see, you know, uh, making his debut at, at Coors Field some point in the summer. Lucas, who are some of the pitchers we're not talking about that you've been impressed with? Yeah, I'm, I'm usually, I guess I'll be the bullpen expert because those <laughs> are my guys. But uh, um, Jaden Hills looked awesome so far, I think. He's a good one. I don't know what his timetable looks like necessarily, but I've been impressed with his stuff. I've been impressed with the way he carries himself, even his demeanor. I think it's very – he's got a slow heartbeat, and it's a big part of being a reliever. Um, and yeah. Riley Pine, I think Pine yeah, looks good this year. I, I like what Pine's doing. I like his kind of mindset this year. Um, those are two guys that um, I've seen this spring so far that – not that I necessarily had low expectations. It was almost like I didn't know what to expect, yeah. and, and I've been very impressed with what I've seen. That's a great story, Patrick. Pat Riley Pint, obviously going through what he went through and coming making a comeback like that. If if he came and made this bullpen and, and was a productive member of the bullpen, that would that'd be a heck of a story. And he's got the swing and miss too, right? That, yep. I think that's the one thing that's so hard to to get at at Coors Field, just because of the you know the the, the lack of pitch movements, right? That that obviously gets uh, snuffed out a little bit at altitude. But he's got the swing and miss in him. I think he actually had three strikeouts in uh, in his one inning pitch today against the Brewers in Maryville. So uh, he's got that in him. He's still on the forty man roster. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the potential is still there. You see that if he's just able to harness it, and you know maybe that's one of the, that's that's the silver lining right now mm-hmm. with. Um, with last season having gone the way it did is you have an opportunity to let these guys, you know, have the opportunity, let yeah. these guys go out there and you say, all right, let's, let's see if we can develop you because you know, that windows is going to be opening up here soon for, uh, for, for playoff contention, you know, uh, yeah. for, for a couple of years in a row. Right. So if Riley Pint's going to be one of those guys here and uh, going forward, uh, you, you need to find that out this year and, and the potential yeah. absolutely is there. Uh, and it's, it's good. He's got that mindset as, as Luke has pointed out going, going forward now. And um, he, he definitely has, you know, success. Lucas, you've, point. you've thrown to Elias Diaz, right? You've, you've, you've pitched to him. You've not thrown to Jacob Stallings. Um, he's got a gold glove in his, in his back pocket and drew Romo's in camp doing, doing a good thing. Um, talk about the catching position, if you would, for a little bit, Lucas, because it's always been a, a sore spot for the Rockies. Just like, uh, you know, I've always say that they've never drafted and Romo might, might be the first. They've never drafted an impact catcher. In, yeah, in, um, I've been super impressed with the catchers this year. I think obviously I've thrown to Diaz quite a bit. Um, I've thrown to Stallings as a hitter, not as a catcher. So that'll be probably one of the next ones. Um, I, in talking to him, he's obviously a very, very sharp guy. He's known for his glove. Um, he's very, very good at the game calling, game management stuff, which will be great. Um, Romo, I can't say enough good things about the kid. I, he uh, he wants to learn. He is just a sponge trying to absorb any and everything he can, I think. 
I sit down with him in the bullpen during spring training games a lot. And I do give him a hard time sometimes because it is like 20 questions the whole game when you're sitting next to him, but <laughs> he does want to learn and he wants to know every single detail and every nuance and how he can do better, how he can improve this, how he can make life easier for pitchers. So I, I think he's a real deal. I mean, I think, um, he obviously can swing it a little bit. I don't think that's any problem. I think his defense and his game management has come a long way as well. So to me, catching in the big leagues is so much more than just going, being back there and physically catching the ball, right? It turned into game management, controlling your pitchers, controlling the running game, especially now with the new rules. So I think he's picking up on that stuff and, and he should be pretty good pretty quick. I will die on this hill. I've said this many times. Patrick knows this. Catching is the hardest position in sports, period. All sports. People say, oh, being a quarterback in the NFL. Come on. Who has to do what a catcher has to do? First of all, he has to be a psychiatrist for us nuts on the mound, right? He has to yeah. talk us off the ledge all the time. Block 100, catch 100 pitches, block balls in the dirt, throw guys out, hit, uh, communicate, all those things. It's the hardest position in sports. And it's it's a, there's a reason not that many people are really good at it. And the Rockies just have struggled to draft that guy, but maybe he's the one. I mean, they, you know, there's Ben Petrick back in the day and some other guys, but maybe Romo. I, I talked to a guy, Patrick, last year. I, Dama Moore covers the Hartford Yard Goats, the, the sports writer back there. said he's already big league ready defensively, um, and that's really encouraging. Yeah, no, defensively like that, he, he was a glove first guy coming out of high school, but, you know, could switch hit. Uh, and, you, and you got to see that last year at Double A Hartford. I don't think people realize how difficult that Eastern League can be um, yeah. as we discuss how cold it can be in April. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's a rough spot uh, to, to, to go and play. But the, the bat definitely came along. The defense has been there. You know, I remember searching out and, and talking with him at the beginning of the, of the 2022 season when, you know, he was still a minor. He, he was there early because of the whole lockout business. And then last year he came to camp and I could see that he was a little bit bigger. And now this year he, he looks, you know, bigger than ever before he's 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 got that that body that build now to say all right it's it's going to be rough behind the plate i'm going to take my dings but um he's he's got a lot of meat on the bones now uh to be able to do that and that uh, i think he's only you know just turned like 23 years old you know that 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 projects really well for for being that guy to uh to be one of the best you know rockies catchers uh, of all time still super early and that and that does sound like it's a it's a lot of pressure but i i would i would say that you know things are trending in that direction you know, for him, for a guy who was a high school pick and not a ton of, yep. you know, that, that many high while, school yeah. guys that are drafted that while it's kind of like left-handed pitchers, how it takes them a while. And they, they, uh, you know, because you can't attest for this yet. Cause you're, you're still so young, but like some left-handers, man, it's like, you have to wait until they're 30, 31, and then they get better with age. And I think that's the case with catchers. Romo is really doing it, you know, very much ahead of schedule. It feels like. What he's saying, Lucas is when you're 30, 31, you're going to become a uh, Tony, um, Jamie Moyer. <laughs> Start turning the ball over, sinking it away, getting guys out with guile, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you can pitch till you're 45 if you do that. <laughs> Learn to do that, you can pitch forever. It's um, all part of the plan, right? You, that's you right. throw hard, you throw hard into your mid-30s and then yeah. you you get crafty. Yeah, get become a crafty lefty. Like I said, I'm trying to get you to teach a couple of my kids to be crafty lefties in the offseason, but they're just scared. They weren't ready, quite ready yet. But anyway, um Lucas, uh, it's obviously spring training's a long, long haul as we've talked about. What are you looking for from this team? Obviously, yourself, you're in the middle of your rehab. You're going to do what you're saying. What are you looking for this team to do, other than just keep winning, which is the obvious answer? But what do, they, what do you expect to see from this team moving as spring training moves forward? I, th- I think, like Patrick touched on it earlier, the swing and miss is awesome. I think that's a big piece that we've been missing. The low walks to go along with it are obviously yeah. a key part of that. But I think not necessarily the idea of stuff, but this idea of execution, getting those swing and misses, 
kind of dominating at bats is kind of something we've talked about as a staff because I think that mindset definitely helps a little bit at Coors. Are you going to punch as many guys out there? Probably not. But that idea of dominating the zone, dominating hitters, I think that plays wherever we go. And, and on the hitting side, I think it's continuing to put the ball in play, force the defense to make plays, and then hit homers like we do. I mean, at the end of the day, we hit home runs. When we're at home, we're going to hit home runs. We're on the road. we got to battle. we got to find ways to put the ball in play. And I think between those two things, if, if the hitters can get dialed in on that and the pitchers can keep grooving, I think we'll be in a good spot going into the season. Patrick, are we going to see a more aggressive Rockies team on the bases? Um, I, I and Lucas, you, Lucas goes back, and I, you do too, to the Don Baylor days where they were obviously the Blake Street Bombers hitting lots of home runs, but they were they were also stealing a ton of bases. Eric Young was stealing a ton of bases. Um, Dante and Larry Walker stole a ton of bases. Um, that puts more pressure, Lucas, as you know, puts more pressure on on the pitcher. He's more likely to make a mistake and give up a home run if he's worried about the running game. Are they, they in the past few years they haven't done much running? Is that going to change? It should. Um, going back to what you were saying, what the Rockies are the only team with 200 stolen bases and yep. 200 home runs in the same season. Yep. So uh, the the potential is, is is obviously there. You know, Buddy did say that you know they're going to look to to swipe more bases. Look to today's spring training game. Uh, I think there was four or five. You even had Willie McIver. You know, you know, a mm-hmm. catcher. Uh, for talking about uh, catchers who uh, who are doing a good job handling a pitching staff. You know, he was able to nab one. So uh, I I think there there definitely is is a lot of value. You know. Uh, Sabermetrics in the past have said like, oh, you got to steal seventy five percent of bases or better. Uh, if not, then you know you're you're kind of taking the bat out of your your guys' hands. Yeah. The, the benefits, uh, you know, uh, get get outweighed by by that risk. So uh, now it's 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 a much you know uh, higher percentage uh, in, in a sense. So stealing more bases is is going to be a positive thing. Or rather, I should say it's a higher percentage that uh, guys are are stealing safely. So I think we're going to see more of that we saw it late last year. I mean, look at look how many stolen bases Nolan Jones was able to take yep. in order to get twenty guy, twenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so so he was able to do that and and really get it going. Baseball is just such a long season, and uh, I talked with Vinny about this once. Players didn't really talk about the altitude being the factor that mm-hmm. it once was, so it was almost an ignorance. So it was like, I'm just going to steal all these bases, and now in a way, it's it's like, well, you know what? This is a long season. Maybe after. Uh, three, four months of the season. Now I'll start to steal a little bit more because I'm most of the way through the marathon. I, I almost have to protect myself, right. um, you know, for, for playing at 5280. So is that so much of a, of a factor? You know, not sure, but so far all signs do point to, you know, us getting more stolen bases in the last couple of years. Those bases are bigger now, right? We're supposed to be able to steal more because <laughs> the bases are bigger. I, I still don't understand that one either. I'm not a big rule change guy, but man, some of the things, some of these things are baffling to me. Why the bases had to be bigger, I don't know. Why they limit Lucas's throws to first, I, I don't get that either. Um, but anyway, it is what it is, right? We have to adapt and, and roll with it. Um, Lucas, hey, we really appreciate you joining us. Thank you for doing this. I know spring training, your time is valuable. Um, good luck with the rehab the rest of the way. Um, hopefully we'll get to see you when we get down to Arizona. And uh, just keep on chucking it, man. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Lucas. All right, Lucas. Patrick, thanks. I'm glad you're back. Thanks for joining me again. And we'll do again, do this again real soon. This has been the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. I'm Mark Knutson. He's Patrick Lyons. Our guest has been Lucas Gilbreth. We'll be back right after this. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill. Now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. I knew I hated the pitch clock for a good reason. Our thanks to Patrick Lyons and Lucas Gilbreth for some great rocky spring training chatter. Better days are ahead at 20th and Blake. Stay tuned, and we'll catch you later. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.